welcome you to the Scribal Conservatory. I want to do this this morning because we haven't done it in a while. I just want to tell you that the Scribal Conservatory Arts and Worship Center exists as a haven to explore, activate, refine, and demonstrate our gifts and talents in the Lord while being immersed in the reality of Christ. We fully understand the journey of the worshiper and artisan and are here to empower believers in walking out their purpose and destiny in Christ. And we know that a conservator, a conservatory is a college or university of study. A conservator is a guardian or protector of a specific body of knowledge of, or work. And in this, we simply mean that we protect our pillars. The first pillar is um, based on Romans 12 and 2. It's about transforming the mind. The second pillar is about reinforcing covenant. And this is the covenant or the agreement that God made with Jesus in the new covenant. So the new agreement that we have. New, not, we're not talking about the new Bible or the new chapters of the Bible. We're talking about the new agreement that we have and how to live in it. Also, our third pillar is simply um, elevating Christ above people, above men. We all know what that means, where we know that um, Christ is greater than Moses. This is scripture-based. Christ is greater than Teresa. Christ is greater than you in your own life. So this is what we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about always putting Christ first. The last pillar is increasing understanding. And that has to be my heartbeat. And because that brings us into immersion and it brings us into such a purity of faith, a purity of language, because all God wants is for us to understand who he is and what he wants. So we're going to stand on that and we're going to hold that uh, to the supreme apostolic truth that it is. Apostolic truth. Who is God? And our lives are dedicated to revealing him. So Father, we thank you that this teaching this morning is falling in line, Lord, with what you've given as vision through the conservatory. We thank you, Father, for people with their ears open, for people that their, their hearts and their minds are clear. Father, I thank you that there's no anger, there's no angst, there's no frustration. I thank you, Father, that everyone here has a teachable spirit, Lord God, not just learning, just learning based on what they already know, but willing to destroy certain foundations so that they can grab hold of something new. We come against the religious stronghold, Father, the subtle religious stronghold that's affecting your people, the inability to let go or change language, the inability to see things from a different perspective, to hold on to these certain things. We hold on to pillars. We hold on to foundations. We hold on to sound doctrine. And Father, we decree and declare that other things that we have been taught, we need to be able to shake loose and see in a different way. We're asking for your guidance because people worship the devil in the church more and they believe in the devil more than they believe in Jesus. They believe in all of the witchery that is put in place in our healing process. They believe in all of the warlocks that, that push forth 
things concerning being um, spiritual fathers and mothers to the point where they control others in ways that you do not even do, God, within your word. So we're asking today, Father, that you dig through to the deep recesses of people's heart and enable them to hear from where they are and let go. I don't know everything. All I have is the portion you've given me, and I will not apologize for delivering it the way you have given me to deliver. I have nothing to prove. There's no showboat that I own. And Father, I have talked to trees and the wind, and I will continue to do so if that is all that is before me. Father, I just thank you today for what you're bringing um, and what will happen in the hearts of your people. I thank you for those that are also teaching in this group, Lord God, and passing on the things that will set us free from the machine of ministry, God. And we just decree and declare that we will be made whole and that we are coming into likeness and image every day. In Jesus' name, cover us, God. Cover us as only you can. Guide us. If you are for us, who can stand against us? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pull up um, oh, this passage of scripture. I'm not um, sure where I'm going to go first, but um, I want. let's look at um, Jesus being led and tested in the wilderness. Um, real quick, I, I know we've gone over this before. For some reason, I don't know why my coloring and my uh, markups are not being saved when I when I leave here. I'm gonna. I don't use the King James version because we don't speak old English anymore. It's that simple. It's that simple for me. Um, I prefer my language. You know, if your your um your your language is Chinese, you're going to read a Chinese translation of the Bible. So, you know, if you are Spanish, you're going to have a Spanish translation of the Bible. So we, you know, I'm not in England. And in this, that Bible was written in 1611, translated later. It, so we're just not, I'm just reading something that I can understand that is as close to word for word as possible. And I prefer us as a body, if we're going to study, real serious study, use the New King James Version because that way we can pull the words that we use and we can bring them into the Greek and Hebrew and make sense of them. You can't do that with, with um, paraphrased Bibles. We can't do that with them. But I want to just look at this real quick. We don't have much time because it's already 12 o'clock. But it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. So I want to just highlight this, where, the, where we see the word devil used. And when he fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Why am I sharing this with you? Because our idea of who the devil is, is often fixed in a one dimensional place. It's evident here that the devil in this passage of scripture is a being. It is um, someone who is personally attacking Jesus. 
And I want to take us to the Vines Dictionary, not just a regular dictionary, but the Vines. So the word Satan, even though it's capitalized in a lot of scripture, the word in our English language really is a word that's translated adversary. It really is. It means adversary. It's not a proper noun. It's not a name. It's not a name like um, Jack. It's not a name like Joe or, or Jane Doe. It's not a proper name. It's a descriptive. It's an adjective. And so I want you to understand, tempted by the adversary, if you were reading this in Greek, if you were reading this in Aramaic, you would understand that this is the devil. So we know, though, in this situation that we can make a good guess that this is a physical conf confrontation one-on-one. -on -one. Can you guys see that? So I want you to know that I know that, and we know that, because what, what Jesus is facing in this situation is, is him being cast in his weakened state, because remember, he had to experience everything that humans had experienced. But I also want you to remember that after this experience, he overcame and that Jesus would overcome the devil. So we're watching how he has overcome this for us. We're not just looking at Jesus's experience. We're looking at his experience and what he's done for us. Can you all agree with me there? Does this make sense to you? I want to make sure because if we can't understand this part, we're already lost. I want you to know that it was finished for Jesus. And listen, if it was finished for him, then it's finished for us. The devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. Behold, the devil left him. And, and you know, it, it the devil left him. The, don't worry. We're going to get to your questions and, and things. I'm just building. I want you to see something. And I want you to follow the understanding of this the way I honestly believe God has given it to us and given to us. So let's go here. I want you to see Satan. Vines Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. Greek 4567, Satanus, a Greek form derived from the Aramaic and the Hebrew Satan. An adversary is used. It's you. And so, so I like the vines because the vines go through every single meaning of a word from Genesis to Revelation that was used in scripture. And it also shows us the progression of words and it teaches us about context. So here we have the old, old covenant definition is adversary of an angel of Jehovah. So we understand that what Jesus was probably contending with was this fallen angel, this fallen place of understanding, right? Also in the Old Testament, the term adversary or the devil meant men. So a lot of the conversation that you hear about the devil is about evil people who exemplify the way of the world that is in contrary to Christ. Are you with me? Are you with me? Of Satan, 
the devil some 17 or 18 times in the old covenant is used where the name receives this interpretation to be his adversary. This is critical because a lot of the places where we see the devil and we see the conversation about the devil talking in my ear, the devil is doing this. What people don't, if, if people are looking for a horned beast with the tail, thinking there is a fallen angel chasing them, it is an impossible understanding because that devil has been bound and chained according to the old covenant. That devil is under Christ's feet and under our feet. That devil is not operating anymore in the earth. He has been the ruler of this world because the world is broken. The world has fallen due to sin. And the chaos that comes out of the devil are things we still contend with. So when we say the devil after me, what we're really saying is that the spirit of this age and the spirit of this world is overtaking me. What we're saying is that I am being beat up by this fallen world. I'm being beat up by these evil people. I'm being beat up by this and that. So those things are true. They're true. But it's not that devil who is not omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. He's just an influencer. He's the one that can that, that has unloosed chaos in the earth so much that you believe you are worthless. That you'll be broke forever. Are you following me? So I'm thinking one of the mistakes that I've made in the conservatory is that we've not spent time talking about the devil. Not the conversation we need to have so that you will understand. And so Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we cast down high idle conversations, declarations, decrees, of these innocent conversations people have had about the conservatory with their friends, their family members, conversations they had about me concerning what I believe that were misplaced because of lack of understanding. Lord, we plead with you to clean, to clear our names in the name of Jesus, to cause our names to be good. Father, we decree and declare that you, will bring understanding to those whose hearts are knit with the conservatory. Again, you're not doing me a favor by being here. I am here to help you. That's what leadership is about. It's not about the apostle here to help you, the apostle to the, it's about leaders and leadership. And we all need to be led. It's difficult leading people that know everything. That's a religious mindset that sometimes you just want to take a hammer to. The thick skull mentality. That's what my, my parents used to tell me. You got a thick skull, Teresa. And Teresa had a thick skull. But I made up my mind that I will not have a thick skull when it comes to people that are genuinely trying to help me and help me overcome. So I just need to know that you know that the devil is not just the devil. The devil can be people. 
people that are adversely against anything that stands for, for God, whether in a moment, because people have moments where they adversely stand against God, but the next moment they're repentant and they have moved on to the next place. So it grieves me when folks tell, call people false prophets and this, that, and other. You don't know the journey of that person. You don't know what they're coming out of, out of, and we don't know where they're going. All I can say is look in the mirror because if he can save you, he can save anybody. That's all I can say. Even when people call me out of my name, I don't call them out of their name back. Because, you know, I, I know who I am. I don't have to defend myself against strangers. But when it comes to you, it is my pleasure to defend myself to those who's walking with me, just like Paul did, just like Jesus said did when he said, who do you say that I am? Paul said, if I'm not an apostle to anyone else, I should be to you. It matters in community. It doesn't matter in the wind. It only matters in community. That's why if all I am is Teresa, that's good. I'm not offended. Make sure you honor the leader you recognize, though. Make sure you honor them. So in the New Testament, the word is always used of Satan. And listen, this is the context, the adversary of God. So if that philosophy is against God, then that philosophy is an adversary. The adversary of, of God and of Christ. And go to the Vines Dictionary and study out these scriptures so that you will understand. The adversary, a group of people who don't fall in line with the things of God. A group of people. They can be adversaries. Now, again, we're talking about the new agreement. We have to be able to see things through the eyes of Christ, not the eyes of Moses. Moses understood in part. Christ understands in fullness. So we have to tap into where the deep well is. We have to tap into the new wine. We have to tap into the new positioning. We have to understand that my drink, my water comes from Jesus. I'm grateful for Moses, but his water is stale. And we can even go even further and say, Jesus told, told Joshua, Moses is dead. You don't dig Moses as well anymore. I need you to dig a new well for your generation, Joshua. It was a prerequisite of what we are required to do in our well, which is Christ. We don't have to dig a new well in that sense because Christ is the new wine. Jesus was the new wine. Are you following me? Are you following me? I wanna make sure we're, we're still on the same path. Of mankind, oh my goodness. You mean humanity can be a, a devil or Satan? Yes, when we understand that Satan is not a proper noun. When we understand that Satan is an adjective. When we understand that it means adversary and that when Christ was battling, it was the adversary, but that adversary was put down. What we have today are the influences. 
and we're going to go through scriptures and I'm going to show you what Jesus said happened to the adversary. What he said. What he said. But Paul said this. I'm glad Paul said that, but image and likeness comes from Jesus, right? Can you agree that Jesus is the ultimate pattern? Can you agree that his words are elevated above all others? Can you agree that Paul and, and James and John, can you agree that they're all like me and you? Can you agree with that? They're just trying to get it together and teach the people they're leading just like I am and we are. They're our brothers, not our God. They're our brothers, not our God. They look to Jesus as their foundation. We look to Jesus as our foundation, which means we must examine his life more closely. I want to read this part to you. Um, it says, the appellation was given by the Lord to Peter as a Satan-like man on the occasion when he endeavored to dissuade him from death. Remember when Jesus told Satan, um, we're going to read that scripture. When Jesus told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. He was not saying to Peter that the devil manifested in you. He was saying, you're acting like my adversary because you're against what God has said. Are you able to see that? Peter was being rebuked because he wasn't in agreement with God's plan, which was the epitome of our resurrection and transformation. This was not about Peter contorting and catching a spirit. This was Peter, listen, living out of his emotions for his love for Jesus. And Jesus was addressing Peter's flesh, which wanted him to live even though he was appointed to die. Can you see it? Can you see it? So don't be going around lying talking about Peter had a devil. Peter had his flesh on his shoulders. And if you know anything about this scripture, it's only a short time later that Peter comes around and says, listen, Jesus said, who do you say I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church because Jesus dealt with two things in Peter. The first thing he dealt with was Peter's flesh. When Peter chopped off that man's ear for being mean to the apostle, Jesus corrected him and he healed the man because Jesus was watching how Peter responded. Peter loved Jesus with his flesh and the Lord was teaching him how to love him by the spirit, how to move beyond those physical emotions, how to move beyond your reaction to being disrespected, how to move beyond all of those things and humble yourself so that you understand that, Peter, there will be a day when I die. And it will look like they're mistreating me, but I have to elevate you, Peter, 
so that you're not acting Satan-like or acting adversarial, contrary to what I have prophesied, contrary to what God has said. That was the problem there. Can you see it? Before I take this next step, I just gotta know that you're walking with me because we're gonna deal with the devil. And you're gonna understand what the conservatory believes. You're gonna learn how to lay down all of this witchcraft that goes on in the church that they don't even recognize is witchcraft. Things that the Bible never taught us. And I know that we're doing this within the conservatory because we are appointed to help set people free from the machine. I choose to believe Jesus. I choose to observe the life of Jesus. I choose to live the life of God, not the life of popular Christianity. Oh my goodness. The last part of Vines, and Vines is a great book. Please use that when you're studying. Get the printed version. It's so much better. It's so much better. You can just flip, 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 flip. You know, um, Satan is not simply the personification of evil influences in the heart, for he tempted Christ, in whose heart no evil thought could ever have arisen. Moreover, his personality is asserted in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and especially in the latter. Whereas if the Old Testament language was intended to be figurative, the New Testament would have made this evident. That's, a, you know, this isn't scripture, but it's a powerful thought. It's a powerful thought. The personification of a personality that is ministering to us outside the will of God, which is what most of the church looks like today. We are worshiping the personalities and doctrines of people. That's adversarial. That's the devil. Can you see it? Can you see it? Absolutely, Bride Defiled. Absolutely, your book. Absolutely. So I just want to hold us there. It's 1220. This is such a massive study. I won't even get partially through it by the end of um, September. But I'm going to try. And I'm going to push as hard as I can because if we're not teaching these things, we got to see that the devil is not a person anymore that we need to fear. Well, what about his imps and ages? Well, when you find that in the Bible, write me a letter. When you find Jesus talking about that, let's sit down and talk about it, all right? There are agents of evil, but those agents from Genesis to Revelation has mostly been people. Yes. The influence has always been in the earth. But the pawns 
have always been people. When we get that truth, we begin to set the stage for having people deal with themselves instead of scapegoating everything to the devil made me do it. Let me cast out this devil. Well, if you had dealt with yourself, you wouldn't have been influenced in the first place. Right? If we had not opened the door, we would have been influenced. We're not talking about forced door openings. We're not talking about things like rape and, and murder and assault. And we're talking about things that we can control. You control who you lay down with. You control whether you create a whole new doctrine about your um, sexual whatever. You control that. My God, it's, it's, it's right here in the word. But the way many of us were raised up, myself included, it's hard to let it go. Oh, that's the devil. No, that's a broken, hurt person who believes a lot of twisted stuff and we got to help them get free. God still loves them. They're not reprobate yet. We're going to talk about the reprobate mind. We're going to talk about how to identify it. We're going to talk about knowing when it's in our presence. And if idols don't come down in, in that area, then we'll lose a lot of friendships, relationships, because it's a lot of people walking around with a reprobate mind. But we're going to look at the non-English meaning of that word from the scriptures. We're going to dig into that. Oh, my goodness. Let's take a look at a few scriptures where the word devil is used. And if you write these scriptures down, you can go back and you can study it out in the um, um, concordance. You can study it out through um, the Vines Dictionary. You can read some extra biblical resources, other, other things. Look, you can, you can study this, but if your mind is already made up, you're only going to see what you want to see anyway, right? If your mind is made up, we're only going to see what we want to see. First John 3 and 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Let's take a look at that. So. If I choose something that is against the will of God, then I become an adversary. You see how simple that is? If I take a stand contrary to the will of God, I become the devil. Now, this is English language. But if you look up 1 John 3 and 8 in scripture, I'm going to, here's the, let me switch. I don't know why the King James Version is here. I'm going to use it because it might shift everything if I switch over. But he that commits sin is of the devil. These are the way these books are translated. I want you to, let's go back to the New King James. It's a much better translation. It's more word for word, which is why I brought that up to you before. Because a lot of us are messed up. 
by the way things have been translated. But if you understand the medieval times, if you understand the history of that day, and if you know about the superstitions, we have to go back. Okay, let me get a Greek interlinear Bible and let me look at this and see how this plays out word for word. Then let me see what the translators may have inserted based on their understanding. This is for serious Bible students. If you ever want to study the Bible, I took a whole, a whole lot of time two years ago. Oh my goodness. Yeah, two years ago, 2020 or 2019, maybe three years ago, giving you how I studied the Bible. I have no idea where those teachings are. They're, they're pretty sure they're on YouTube and they're inside the Scribal Conservatory group, but that will help you. I, I was sharing with a group the other day. Um, I told them I study the Bible. I read the Bible historically. I read the Bible as if it's a novel. I read the Bible as the infallible word of God. I read the Bible as um, personal testimony, devotion to me. I read the, there are all kinds of ways we can read the Bible. There's no one way, but I promise you this. When I study, I try to study from all of those ways. What if this was a wonderful story? What if this is an actual historical account and all I could do to research out these people was to find out about them in these documents that were left behind? I mean, we are free to do that. And it can change how we think. So here we are in, in this verse. He says, he who sins is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning. In other words, anyone who is practicing sin, anyone who is choosing sin, this is not about the sinful act in this moment. It's about understanding that I'm choosing something that God does not want for me. So when we see sin, that should say loud and clear, oh my God, I'm doing something that does not agree with God and it automatically makes me an adversary. Can you see it in the scripture? Oh my goodness, because here in Matthew 4, we know that there was probably a physical manifestation of the devil. But that is something that Christ has dealt with, right? Oh my goodness, that was defeated. The influences are alive and well. And it gets darker and deeper and darker every day in this earth in whom the devil has influence over. But he's not the, he's, he, he's not sovereign. Only God is sovereign. He only rules the earth. His influence rules the earth for a season infiltrating all the unrenewed systems of this world. People become henchmen, agents. People delve into darkness that calls for a supernatural demonic realm. Yes, that's true. But in high places, our posture is different. The last time I checked, I was seated in heavenly places in Christ on the right hand of the Father. That's got to mean something. 
And it's not just power for me to fight the devil. It's power for me to exist and live like the renewed Jesus who came out of the wilderness lived in the earth. I have to figure out how to live like Jesus. Am I going to spend all my time right by shine, hunting out the enemy's camp? Jesus didn't do any of that. How can we get to the high life instead of the low life in Christ? I want conservators that are esteeming for the high life. What if you believe you had power and you could speak to a thing? I don't fight and join all of these prayer calls because I've walked in a new place in my own spirituality. But when people, you know, want you to warn over them and pray over them all the time and they feel like they got to have that and this is after them and that is after them, how is that keeping me in faith? Listen, you might not love me or like me when you leave. But I need to help you understand who Jesus is versus what people have taught us and how we've been indoctrinated to believe. Why do I see those things? Why do I operate like that? Because you believe in it. Your faith is there. What if you challenged yourself to put your faith in the Lord and see in the heavenly realm? Look, I feel it. Don't be upset. I've been teaching this for years. But I realize, I realize how angry people get with you when you don't love their devils and demons the way they do. When you don't preach their real Jesus, which is the devil. And I'm tired of it and I will not defend myself anymore. And I will not fall prey to this system anymore. I'm not going to do it. But my prayer for you is that you become like Christ. That's not a wrong prayer for me to pray. Do I need to cast out? Of course, sometimes we have stuff to do. We're going to get through to that. But there is foundation that needs to be set so that we're not preoccupied with the wrong side of the cross. Where we're pulling people into power, we want to be able to speak to it and see it flee. That's what Christ did. Oh my goodness, are you all okay? I hope I have not lost any of you today. I hope you're not mad. I hope I'm not going to be the the topic of your um, next um, um, Facebook conversation. But if I am, to God be the glory. To God be the glory and him alone. Because I will teach Jesus Matthew 16, 23, Jesus turned and said to Peter, we already did that. Um, So that's the same passage. The rest didn't come up. Okay, here we are. Um, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7, 5, Matthew. Okay, so we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 7, 5. It says, 
Nope, that's not the one. Don't ask me how we got there. Second Corinthians 11, three. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Let's look at that. So in some passage of scripture, it says, but I fear lest somehow the devil deceived Eve. So some translations will say that. But as you, re as you read across translations, as you go back and you do um, your due diligence in studying, listen, he said, as the serpent deceived, you're going to start noticing the references to the influences. You're going to start seeing this. You're being influenced by the devil, which means in the scripture translation, they're actually saying you're being influenced by this fallen world. You're being influenced by the evil things that were put in place to cause you to fight against God. You're being influenced by the things that take you out of his presence. I did a teaching a while back and I showed you a magnet and it was a, a magnet and it had opposing sides. And you saw that when we're doing whatever God is asking us to do, when we're running to him with everything in us, we're connecting. We're connecting with that magnet on every side, on every side. The minute we start doing things that are outside of God's will, we start opposing the magnet. The magnet starts resisting. And that's what happens to us when sin is in our lives. That's why the scripture says resist. The devil is really saying, resist the influences of this fallen world. Resist the, resist the things that are contrary to the way of Christ. Resist everything that causes you to miss the mark. Because our word sin has become a mantra in the kingdom today, when really all that words mean is missing the mark, missing your connection. Oh my goodness, in the old covenant, it had a certain meaning. But in the new covenant, its specificity is saying anything, anything, anything. So every day I have to get up and I have to figure out how I'm going to live in my head, in my heart, and in my house every day. We get away with nothing. Think about it this way. Whatever you're doing that you feel like you got to hide is destroying some connection that you have with Christ. It's putting a barrier between you and God. Oh, my goodness. But I fear. This is Paul. Let somehow, let me read it from the New, New International. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's influence, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. This is why I have a problem with people saying, I'm under attack. The devil attacking me. What have you opened your mind to? What have you opened your heart to? What have you opened your life to? What have you given place to in your meditation? 
What are you what are you thinking about constantly over and over and over again? What and so because you know, I don't know how else to teach this. I can only teach from where I am in the Father. And sometimes we have to go where people teach on the level we think we at, even if it's a low level. Because we all have to come up somewhere. I want to preach Christ and Christ alone. The devil can stay up under the foot. Okay. Listen to this. Acts 5.3. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Is this a devil? Or is it an influence? Can Satan physically, being that he's not omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, um, can he actually be doing this to everybody at the same time? Except we have now made him a brother with Jesus. How can a fallen being be on the same plane as a sovereign God? How can a delegated, set-apart people be on the same plane as a fallen devil? Except we say, I'm scared of you, Satan, and I got to run and fight all day long because the anointing on my life makes no logical sense whatsoever. Because the anointing is Holy Spirit. How is it that Holy Spirit can't resist the devil that you let in? I'm troubled by that. Troubled. Unless you're not saved. Unless that's a familiar spirit. Unless there's an open door. Oh my goodness. John 8, and I'm going to have to stop. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. We're going to just use that part. Oh my goodness. You belong to your father, the deceiver of this world. The man in the machine, the spirit of this age is not a physical being. We're going to begin here because if we don't begin here, then everything we talk about concerning the devil from this point forward will be a place of confusion. The last big battleground in the life that, that Jesus led in the earth was when he took on all of our sins. He took on all of our sins. Before we know, he took on all of our sins so the enemy would have no place. I'm going to say that again. Jesus took on all of our sins. So the enemy would have no place. What does that mean, Apostle Teresa? It means that if I agree with my adversary quickly, I can run to repentance and be covered by the grace of God. I will go and sin no more. Are you following? 
Oh my God, I fell. I did this and I scraped. Repentance. Conviction is your best friend. Go and repent and sin no more. Are you following? If Jesus had not endured the cross, if Jesus had not taken every sin upon us that we were are doing, would ever do, would never do all of that, we wouldn't be able to have this conversation we're having now. We run to Jesus and we make up in our mind to sin no more. Well, what about the people in the world? What they, they are not in covenant. When you're not covered, you're smothered by this world. When you are not covered, you will be smothered by death, hell, and the grave in this world. But when you enter into the agreement, protection and safety is for you. The sin is you acknowledge now my sin has been washed away. I acknowledge that I have a place of safety. I acknowledge that I have come into a place of delegated authority and power. I have someone fighting for me now, fighting with me now. I am living on the inside of Jesus. If we believe that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, how better us give the adversary power over our place in Jesus. Oh my God. Who has place in your life? Who have you traded places with today? This is why we need to know who we are and whose we are, why we are here. We have to begin to examine this devil that everybody loves so much. Listen, you'll lose a lot of friends over this message. A lot. But it's the Lord. It's the Lord. I'm going to show this um, video as quickly as I can. And then we're going to um, have a discussion. I have my phone is blowing up from my family members excessively. So it probably means I have some not so good news. But I'm going to go ahead and finish this. Um, and we're going to look at this because this particular video that I'm going to show you is about, um, the problem that we have in the church today, because we don't really understand what the devil is. This is a huge conversation. I'm going to bring it back up Tuesday night because we're not going to be able to hit all the areas of it. We're not going to be able to do it. Right. But I want you to see this because if we don't begin to address what is happening in the world and know when the adversary is present, know when God is not in something, we're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. So while this plays, I'm going to take this phone call. I'm going to put myself on mute. And um, hold on, let me figure out how to do it because I can't get away from this. I can't put myself on mute.
but just let it play. And when it stops, I'm just going to ask, um, let me see who's here. I'm going to ask Prophet LA because I know some people had to go to take over the conversation. But just play this out for the next couple of minutes. Okay. You still pulling full profit and destructive because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. I'm not worth your red lobster money. I ain't worth your St. John Nick. Y'all can't afford it no how. I ain't worth your Louis Vuitton. I ain't worth your Prada. I'm not worth your Gucci. You can buy a Mavado watch in sale. And y'all know I went to one last year. He didn't use the whole week in August. Got it. You ain't bad nothing. You can't the door and talk about cheap sons and daughters. You hear no more cheap than what y'all can't afford. You can't afford it because you don't see the value here. Y'all hear from y'all pastor and father, I'm over y'all. I'm over your cheap expression. The senior pastor of church for the Black Bridge Peace Initiative. I want to take this moment to address the now viral video clip of me from Sunday, August the 2nd, 2022. Though there is context behind the content of the clip, no context will suffice to explain the hurt and anguish caused by my words. I've spoken to those I am accountable to and have received their correction and instruction. I have also privately apologized to our church who has extended their love and support to me. I'm privileged to do life with them. The video clip does not reflect my heart or my sentiments toward God's people, yet that's not discernible in the okay. Therefore, I offer this sincere apology to you today. No context could erase the words I used. I apologize for all who have been hurt, anger, or in any way damaged. Did you all hear that? Were you able to hear it? It was uh, really low when- Okay, the... let me try it one more time because I wanna make sure you can hear it. Okay, thank you. Hold on. I know you still can't say because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. I ain't worth your St. John Nick. Y'all can afford it no how. 
I ain't worth y'all Louis Vuitton. I ain't worth your problem. I'm not worth your Gucci. You can buy a Madonna watch in sales. And y'all know I have to run last year. I think it is the whole way in August. You got it. 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 Good evening. My name is Carlton Thunderbird. I'm the senior pastor of Church of Burrell right here in Kansas City, Missouri. I want to take this moment to address the now viral video clip of me from a sermon given August the 7th, 2022. Though there is context behind the content of the clip, no context will suffice to explain the hurt and the anguish caused by my words. I've spoken to those I am accountable to and have received their correction and instruction. I have also privately apologized to our church, who has extended their love and support to me. I'm privileged to do like them. The video clip does not reflect my heart or my sentiments toward God's people, yet that's not discernible in the clip. Therefore, I offer this sincere apology to you today. No context could erase the words I used. I apologize to all who have been hurt, angered, or in any way damaged by my words. The zeal of any presentation must be tempered with love and respect, and that was not displayed. I apologize to the church at large for any undue scrutiny I have subjected you to. I apologize to every preacher and pastor who must stand up under the controversy that I have caused. To those who know and love me, thank you for your support. To those who now know me because of this video clip, I regret that your first impression of me is one of anger, hate, and resentment. My actions and my words are inexcusable. I offer no justification or defense. That moment was mishandled or mismanaged. Okay, so I think that's enough of that. I wanted to share this clip for several reasons. Um, the, and I, I don't normally do this on these kinds of calls, but I feel like in this season, we're going to have to because so much of it is happening. Um, it's hard for people to do this. It's not hard for me, though, because I'm not talking about him. So it's very difficult for people to have conversations about these situations without talking about the pastor or the leader involved. Right? It's very hard. So I'm going to ask you to restrain yourself. This isn't about him in our conversation. But I want you to see the spirit of this world. That's what that looks like. He owns the people. He owns their pocketbooks and feels like he can talk to them like this with no problem. 
Oh, the armor bearer may as well have been homie the clown. And this is the circus that we talk about within the conservatory. The circus is not people working out their doctrine. We're all doing that, right? The circus is not us fighting over theology. The circus that I am talking about looks just like what we just saw that man do. And what we're doing right now is trying to give us the tools so we're not acting like the circus. So that we know what the circus looks like and that we don't have to enter into that kind of weirdness and strangeness. He called that a sermon. That was not a sermon. We need to know what a sermon is. There was not one scripture you got. There was no reflection of Jesus in the mix. This man is mad because people aren't giving him money. And I always tell you all, if you have a ministry, your first obligation to your ministry is figuring out how to take care of yourself without the people. I rely on nobody's giving for myself. I take care of myself. I'm like, I'm with Paul. I'll go get a job. I'm not entitled. Right? So this is what, and when you look at this, this is what the world is seeing. This is what we're seeing, and this is why so many people are leaving the church. So I just want to put this out there because that was the devil to me. If ever I'm going to call something to the devil, that is it. This is just one little slice. Me, I've been to churches where I've had to walk out in the middle of the service proudly because I'm not going to let anybody talk to me like that. I've sat in the middle of service with pastors looking at people in that audience, calling them fat. And you've got fat, ugly, nappy head. I've heard it all. And people are sitting there, go ahead, pastor, tell it, tell it, preach it. That's the devil. That's the spirit of the world. I know this is hard for some people because some people's favorite pastors do this. But I have a question for you. Whose truth do you want? The tell it like it is? Because I'm fine, slick, skinny jean, and snake dress type? Or do we want the kind of truth that is Jesus at the center? We can't fix these people. But we can fix ourselves and make sure we're not a part of them. Listen, we see some stuff. But if you see the comments... I don't engage. I don't go on people's page. If I'm not going to use stuff to have conversations, which some of you know, we do a lot of this one-on-one, a lot of it (laughs) one-on-one. I mean, we have had some serious discussions. I'm not here to place that pastor in heaven or hell. I'm here to look at that and say, God, you know, what can I do to make sure this is not me? And that's where we're going with this conversation and with this whole idea of focusing on Christ because 
I'm asking people, you know, I used to say to you a lot, what is the end game? But we have to be careful with that now because the circus is talking about the end game. So when uh, it's so funny how the surface ca- the circus catch wind of stuff and they don't even realize it's the circus. So, but when you talk about likeness and image, you cannot mess with that. You cannot mess with likeness and image because I have one question for you. Did that look like Jesus in any way, shape, or form? Was it his spirit? Was it his character? And to say that that's not who you are is to say I got delivered after I did it. Are you following what I'm saying? Now we can use the word deliverance because you can see humility on him now. Because whatever that was got shook loose after he got dealt with on social media. There have been some other, and I ask God, why are these people always getting platformed? (laughs) In the sense of this kind of stuff perpetuating because the church eats it up is what people want to see. So I know it was hard for you guys to watch. I'm sorry I had to do this, but these are the kinds of things I like to do. Not to talk about him, but to talk about where we're at. I left the circus just in time because I was becoming these people. Some of you have dodged the bullet. Not the people were the bullet. You were the bullet you dodged. So we've got to have these conversations in the conservatory and not be apologetic. We've got to. If it's public, we can talk about it. Thank God he repented. Whether it was real or not is not my concern, right? (laughs) But I can take that and we can learn from it. I agree with that. This will not be a part is not a part, will not be, and is not a part of the new ecclesia. That's why people are leaving. How can you attend the ministry every day and be subjected to that? That's like domestic violence in the church. Who's going to shame a gift that somebody gave you? God loved the two mites. He thought it was worth more than two million. So God bless you all. Father, we thank you for this session um, today, our service today. We thank you for leading and guiding us. We thank you for those that were able to stay and to hear and be taught. We thank you, Father, for those that are ready to go into a a deeper understanding of what the scripture says and, and just let go of a lot of the chaos and confusion that many of us just, quite frankly, culturally grew up in or whether it was church culture or family culture or minister culture, whatever the culture was, we're willing to let it go. God, we want to be people that are free. If you can heal us with one word, we want the one word. If you can do it by changing our minds and we are free instantly, we are ready to do it. We don't want to have to linger and go through long, drawn out, unnecessary processes. Father, if you could meet the centurion and his his daughter who had passed away, and he said, all I need is your word. If that is enough, 
Father, if it is enough for you to say, be healed, we can receive that. If you can say to the woman at the well, go and, and sin no more. If you can do these things, Father, why is it wrong for us to live the kind of life where we want that to be our normal? Why is that wrong? You told us to be like you. And I want to be like you at the extremes in your healing realm. At the extremes in your freedom realm. I want to be able to reconcile things in my mind and in my heart quickly so I can go higher to the true next level, which is a higher level of maturity and a higher level of thinking in you. Lord, I, I thank you for the processes that I've had to walk. Nothing is wrong with that, but I need the kind of faith that can cause instantaneous healing because the pain can be too much to bear. Show us, Father, how to move forward in you. In you, in Jesus' name. I just need to take up my bed and walk. Let the dead bury the dead. Pull up your pants, Job. I love the apostolic part of you, who, who you are, God. And I thank you for the prophetic kindness and the grace that you give. But we can all be apostolic in our going and in our doing. We can all grow into that place. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen.